Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Samuel, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 7. If you have a Bible with you, turn to chapter 7, verse 1, and follow along while I read. And the men of Kariath Jearim came up and took the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son Eleazar to have charge of the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark was lodged at Kariath-Jearim, a long time passed, some twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the bells and the Ashtoreth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hands of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And he judged Israel in all those places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there. And there also he judged Israel. And he built there an altar to the Lord. In this section of scripture, we learn that the Israelites, even though initially they had been excited about the return of the ark, were now lamenting the presence of the Lord in their midst, evidently because of the 70 men who died. They took the ark and they put it in a place that had not been before at kariath They installed a priest to look after it. For 20 years, the ark stayed there and the people of Israel mourned after the Lord. They reached a point where they were willing to let Samuel pray for them and make some changes so that 
they could experience God's favor once again. In the midst of this, the Philistines rise up and try to destroy them because they've assembled in this large gathering. The Philistines think they want to fight, so they bring the fight to them. In this battle, the Lord fights for the Philistines, throws the Philistines into confusion, and allows the Israelites to pursue them and defeat them on the battlefield. We also see here that Samuel is a judge of Israel, and he doesn't just stay in one place. He's on a circuit. He goes to different cities at different times of the year. And in each of those places, we're told that he judged Israel. Now, Samuel being called a judge lets us know that he had multiple areas of responsibility. If there were disputes among Israelites, Samuel would judge who was in the right and who was wrong. But also, if someone was unsure about their behavior and how it aligned with God's will, Samuel would be able to help them judge that as well. He would be responsible for teaching God's law and helping people understand how to apply that to their daily lives. And it's something that Samuel says in this capacity, as a part of this story, that I want us to focus on in this episode. Samuel said in verse 3, if you are returning to the Lord. When Samuel says this, he's leaving the choice to them. They can return to the Lord or not. They've experienced 20 years without him, and they've been oppressed by the Philistines. But Samuel wants them to know if they're going to turn to the Lord, there are some things that go along with that. And as we look at those things, I think we'll learn what it means for us to return to the Lord, how we can do that, what it looks like, and hopefully be aware of whether or not we need to. The first thing that Samuel tells them is if you're going to return to the Lord, you have to repent. Repentance is one of those good churchy words that we may have heard a lot, but may not always understand exactly what it means. To make things worse, many people today use it in the wrong way or have defined it in the wrong way. They claim that they have repented when really they haven't. Repentance literally means to have a change of direction. And so in its biblical application, it typically means to change ourselves from the course that's leading us away from God to a course that leads us to God. For some people, this idea of repentance has been reduced to making an apology, saying I'm sorry. Repentance not only acknowledges the wrong thing that we've done or have been doing, but it causes us to make a course correction in our life so that we're not participating in those things any longer. And this is not something we do by sheer force of will, where we just make ourselves not do that thing anymore. It is having a change of heart so that we don't want to do those things anymore. Here Samuel says, If you're returning to the Lord with all of your heart, then put away the foreign gods and Ashtoreth from among you. Stop doing the thing you have been doing. And then he says, direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. Then he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Repentance was more than just putting the idols in the drawer or even destroying the idols. These people had a heart that had allowed them to worship idols, and that heart needed to change. Their heart needed to be wholly devoted to God. So Samuel got the word out. If you truly want to return to the Lord, stop the things you've been doing that keep you separated from God. Have a change of heart. Direct it toward the Lord. And then he told them to all assemble at Mizpah. They would have this great assembly, and there he was willing to pray for them. I think it's interesting to note here that when they assembled, they didn't just pray, but they also fasted and confessed. 
Both of these things were done by the Israelites in an attempt to draw nearer to God. Confession does this when we're very specific about the sin in our life that needs to go away. When talking to God about our sin, we're often content to just make general declarations about sin. But in Scripture, it seems to be very important to be specific about sin. In this passage, the quotation from the Israelites is, we have sinned against the Lord. And yes, that's a general statement, but it's made in direct response to Samuel's accusation that they were worshiping other gods. They knew they should not worship other gods anymore, and so they were going to confess that and make a change. If we only talk about sin in general terms, but never identify the specific sins in our lives that we want God to cleanse us of, that we need his help to overcome, we may get caught in a cycle where we repeat those sins over and over. The Israelites also fasted when they came. Fasting is not something that we always do, not even in our churches. Fasting is a practice that occurs all through Scripture. And from everything that we can read and know about that practice, the intent was to be so focused on their spiritual condition that they were willing to neglect their physical condition. They would forego feeding their physical appetites, paying attention to their physical lives so that they could give full attention to God. This seems to happen most often in Scripture when people are either mourning the loss of a loved one or they're seeking God's direction. So here it would be perfectly natural for the Israelites to fast as they were seeking God's direction and turning back to him with all of their hearts. Because we live in a time of instant gratification, and people seem to constantly be striving to be stimulated and entertained and gratified in some way or another, this is a practice that could be very helpful to us. Setting our phones down, turning off our screens, even doing without food for a while, while we gave our full attention to God. If we are looking to return to the Lord, we need to be willing to repent and look for ways that draw us closer to His will, that direct our hearts to the Lord. As this story unfolds, the Israelites are just trying to do the right thing. They've assembled together. They're calling out to God. They want to turn back to Him. But when the Philistines see this great assembly, they think they've assembled to fight. So they assemble all of their armies in an attempt to squash this rebellion. Now, Israel had gone 20 years without fighting a battle with the Philistines. But now here they are turning back to God, trying to do the right thing, and the Philistines attack. I think this becomes a good metaphor for what happens to us when we are diligent about returning to the Lord. Because as we get closer to God, Satan tries to get closer to us. When we're far away from God, Satan has no need to attack us. It's when we're getting closer to God that he sees an opportunity to attack, to cause doubt, to cause fear, to make us second guess what we're doing. But it's important to remember in these times that there's no reason to be afraid because we can rely on God's strength. He will fight those battles with us and for us so that we can overcome the enemy. And there's also another way to look at this. Yes, Israel is assembled for a sacred assembly, and then they are attacked by the Philistines. But it is because they were doing what God would have them do that they were in a position to fight the Philistines when they were attacked. We need to make sure that we position ourselves to be able to take advantage of God's work and to be able to join him in that work 
as he looks to use us to help all of his people. Sometimes people get frustrated thinking that God has given us too many rules. But what God has done is given us a game plan for how to make the most of our life. And if we follow his plan, we will always be in a position to make the most of his blessings and to be able to join him in the work that he's doing in the world of drawing people to himself. It's hard for me to evangelize if I'm preoccupied with cheating on my wife. It's hard for me to be concerned about the poor and the needy if I'm stealing money from my employer. Over and over again, the things that we're called to do are not things that rob us of a full life, but they're the things that give us a full life because we're in God's path when he starts to work. So when God gives us an instruction, it's not an attempt to rob us of something or cause us to miss out on something. It is him letting us know where we need to be if we want to make the most of his work in our lives and be able to join him in that work to affect the lives of others. Also here for the second chapter in a row, there's a mention of a spiritual marker. Here, Samuel raised an Ebenezer, a stone of remembrance. When they looked at this, they would be able to remember the work that God had done in their lives. And if we are looking to return to the Lord, we need to be able to remember all of the times that he's been faithful in our lives so that we can trust him to be faithful in the future. That should encourage and inspire us to stay on that path, knowing that God will do all that he's promised. Now, this idea of returning to the Lord applies to anyone who, for any reason, has split their loyalties. Whether they're trying to serve two masters like Israel here, or they've totally abandoned God as their father, we need to be willing to admit when we need to return to the Lord. We don't need to deceive ourselves thinking we never need to do these things. If there's any time that we're making decisions based on our own personal desires rather than the desires of God, we have a need to make a course correction, to repent and return to the Lord. But unfortunately, what I see a lot of times in folks is that when they've totally abandoned following God for a long period of time, and they've done a lot of bad things during that time, they're not convinced God wants them back or will take them back. But if we don't learn anything else from this story, we need to see that God desperately wants to show his people mercy. These are people who for 20 years had kind of put God on the back burner, had not wholly devoted themselves to him, even though they saw all that happened with the Philistines and bringing the ark back. They just couldn't give themselves to this God. But when they finally decided God didn't just accept them, but he fought their battles for them and protected them and preserved them so that they could experience all of his blessings. God wants to do that for us as well. If we're not experiencing that now, are we willing to return to the Lord? Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.